This is the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from those making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm Ben Getz, your host. Steve Nigren is one with a long history here in Atlanta. And back in 2004, the first house at Serenby was built in realization of a community in Chattahoochee Hills. It's just a short drive outside of Atlanta proper. And you know, there's a quote that really stuck out to me before I got to hear Steve's story. It's, if you want to change the world, you start in your own backyard. And what Serenby is, and especially in such close proximity to everything happening here in Atlanta, is truly remarkable, and I was really excited to get a chance to catch up with Steve. So here he is, and here's his story. Um, well, Steve Nigren, it is uh, a, a true honor, again, to have you on the Atlanta Foodcast. I, um, again, very uh, very sad that we can't be in the same room together, uh, which, you know, I, I love just being able to make everyone feel nervous by staring into their eyes as we're having this conversation. But um, but again, thanks for thanks for uh, working with me and dialing in <laughs> as, as we're uh, probably not in the same city right now. But um, I am going to uh, torture you a little bit with the first question that I ask every single one of my guests. And I would like to know who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? Well, it would have been, uh, you know, my mother, grandmother, of course, uh, grew up fairly traditional uh, family, but it was a farm family in Colorado. Uh, and so it was um, a, a place where you had a hearty breakfast and a very hearty lunch and then a casual supper in the evening. Uh, we raised all of our own animals, so uh, I had fed the, the cows and the pigs that we ended up eating. Uh, you know, gathered the eggs. So it was uh, uh, a, a, a very uh, American rural story. Wow. <laughs> what, what part of Colorado? Uh, Boulder County. Uh, my three branches of my family uh, have been in Boulder uh, County since the 1860s. Oh, wow. And all Swedish, uh, great Swedish settlements there. Well, the, the one thing about Swedish heritage is that, that that really does come from an understanding of good eating. <laughs> That's right. And so, you know, we're, we, you know, uh, herrings and uh, 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 pickled pig's feet and, and pickled yeah. tongues and things like that were just part of the stables. <laughs> yeah. It's a narrow path that not many find themselves on today, but, you know, from what I would consider to be, you know, very good, um, very good eating. You know, I've, I've actually had pickled herring before and I thought it was tremendous. <laughs> it's right. You know, my, my mother would do a, a, a stuffed beef heart. So because we, we raised our own animals and you uh, uh, cooked all the pieces, <laughs> you know, you didn't throw anything out. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, to quote um, a good friend of mine here in Atlanta, Mr. Nick Leahy, he's a chef over on the West side. Uh, we had this conversation about, you know, growing up and raising animals and using everything, uh, he calls it from the rooter to the tutor, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which actually, I, I think that's, it's very clever and uh, kind of has like that ring of, you know, it's uh, farm to table or, you know, seed to plate, <laughs> but not, not as widely used, I suppose. <laughs> um, well, what, uh, what kind of eater were you growing up, Steve? Uh, I never thought much about it, but but because we were were uh, 
cattle feeders. There was usually meat uh, at, at, at the table. And we were near uh, Louisville, which has become sort of well-known for anybody in Colorado now, but that was just a little uh, mining town that was settled by Italians. So our treat was uh, maybe once a week, we would head, head there for uh, uh, great homemade uh, pastas. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Homemade pasta definitely has a, 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 a place in my heart, especially, but I imagine a lot of others as well. So, yeah. yeah so, so, you know, it was, it was you know, and, and this is, uh, you know, the, the 50s. Uh, and it was, it was local, fresh, and because of the little settlements that were mining and what have you, we had some of this regional uh, influence, even though we were in the, the rural Colorado. Right. Yeah, that's so cool. I, uh, you know, I, I, I love that. And we're going to get into, you know, how you made your way, you know, east and then here into the south. And, but I mean, I love, I love, you know, the, you know, the, the point of origin, you know, hearing, you know, where, where you grew up and, you know, what, what was food like, you know, back, you know, when you were, you know, a, um, like a, a youngster and then growing up and like, what, what has food like really become, you know, over your life? So, I mean, it, it's one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing that I love to ask as well, like kind of coming out of that is, you know, what is the first food memory that you have that has true gravity in your life like what was was there like a hook or what's something that really sticks in your mind when it comes to food well i believe we celebrated around food all the time uh my grandmother uh believed in, in family dinners so it was a, a complete spread for every uh grandchild's birthday every child's birthday uh, every holiday, she would decorate the tables. Uh, in the summers, there would be great picnics uh, with all sorts of things coming in from from the garden. Uh, you know, watermelon salads and cantaloupe salads, and uh, uh, so food was just a, a central part. Um, my uh, my family tends to have longevity. And so death was also a celebration. Uh, uh, I knew five of my great grandparents and some of their, you know, uh, brothers and sisters. So, so there was also a, a series of funerals and death celebrations and it was always food and bar and it was truly a celebration of people's life. Uh, but it was always around food that <laughs> was a critical piece of it. Yeah. It's uh, food, food tends to be the glue that kind of keeps people, you know, grounded in a, in a really good way. Um, so, you know, I, I want to hear, you know, if you're, if you grew up in Colorado, you know, give me, give me like the brief side of, you know, how did you make your way east and then here to Georgia? Well, my, you know, growing up on a farm and, 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 and you worked hard on the farm. Uh, my dream was to get away from it as fast as I could. <laughs> and um, I, I, uh, I, I loved in high school drafting and, and uh, you know mathematics. And so uh, I, I was headed to be an architect and went to the University of Colorado. Um, and in my first summer, um, uh, between my freshman and, and uh, uh, sophomore year at, at uh, University of Colorado, uh, uh, friends in the mountains uh, that were at a resort uh, offered 
you said, if you don't want to go back to the farm uh, this summer, uh, we know we could get you a job up here. And so I said, great. So uh, out, I packed my bags and head to the mountains. And uh, they said, gosh, we had no idea how many returning uh, people there are for all these jobs. But um, we, we've got you a, a, a job washing dishes, but it's the nicest resort in all of Granby. Uh, this is up in the, in, in, in the mountains. Uh, and I said, I don't care, just as so long as I don't have to go back and work on the farm, uh, I don't care what it's doing. They said, I, 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 they said, I know something else will come up. And so about the third night that I was in the kitchen, uh, the owner came back and said, did any of you kids bring a dark suit with you? And I was the only person who raised my hand that I had a dark suit. Um, I guess my mom taught me to always be prepared. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. he said, go, go put it on. You're going to be the maitre d' tonight. <laughs> and <clears throat> so I ended up being the maitre d' all summer. And, oh, I, and I, uh, you know, here, here I was this you know, 18-year-old kid. Uh, and all of the waitresses had to be 21 to serve the alcohol. And um, so they got me a fake ID and, and uh, uh, took me out all the time because, of course, I was responsible for the first seatings and the last seatings. So they all wanted to be my best friend. And I thought, man, you know, this industry is great. Why? Well, I mean, this is a lot better than all that hard work in architecture. <laughs> And of course, those first years, they tell you, you know, how long you're going to work and how poor most people are going to be. And, and uh, I, I saw the lights to the, to the architectural school on in the wee hours of the morning area. And, and so I, uh, I decided maybe I should step off that treadmill. And uh, then that Christmas, uh, when I decided that I was such an experienced restaurateur and I could get some extra money for uh, Christmas coming up. So... Uh, I went to Denver, which is just you know, 20 some miles uh, down the road and uh, applied for these wonderful Mater D jobs. And about a week and a half later, I humbly accepted a job as a busboy with Stouffer's Food Corporation. Oh my. Back in the days, Stouffer's was opening the top of, uh, and in Denver, they were, had just opened the top of the Rockies on, on top of one of the buildings. Uh, so these are, these are around. Atlanta had the top of the mart back in the day. Uh, and uh, I think top of the six is still in New York. So a few, a few of those still exist. Um, and so I started working at Stouffer's and I took to it and ended up uh, working uh, there while I was going to school and then went into their management and then into their hotel opening team. And they uh, moved me, uh, I went to St. Louis and opened the hotel there, and then they moved me to Atlanta uh, as head of um, marketing to uh, manage everything for the groundbreaking and uh, everything for the Stouffer Hotel, which is now wow. I think a renaissance there at uh, West Peachtree and North Avenue. Oh my. That was 1969 that I drove into Atlanta. Uh, Interstate 75 was still under construction and I had to drive in on 41. As you got close to the city, you could see the uh, dome of the uh, Hyatt Regency. It was the tallest thing in downtown Atlanta. <laughs> no way. Oh my gosh. And that was the year that the Darlington uh, declared that Atlanta had a million people. Oh wow! Nineteen. I have been here. Uh, I have been here for for some time to see the the, the real Atlanta boom. 
Right. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. <laughs> Man. I, it's so funny. You know, like I, uh, I mean, I, like I mentioned, you know, over on the East side of town, you know, if I, uh, I, you know, take a, take a few steps, you know, just, um, just South and then, you know, look West, I'd be able to see, you know, the, uh, the higher Regency, at least the dome on top. So <laughs> it's crazy to see it. You know, you gotta, you gotta sift through a few more buildings now to see it, but you had to peek uh, around the buildings to see yeah. it. <laughs> right, you get that, you get that right angle though. You might be able to see it the same way that you drove into the city back in 69. <laughs> um, well, that's an incredible story. And, uh, and you've been here in Atlanta since Steve and, you, um, you, there, there's, there's two, there's two parts of your story, you know, that are, that are really, you know, I mean, kind of carrying forward with, with the restaurant side of things and then, you know, and continuing on further into that. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, working your way into, um, you know, I, you know what is, or what, what was or what still is, you know, peasant restaurant group, and then also Serenby, um, like, I, I guess I want to kind of start there, you know, it's like, how, how did the restaurant side of things, you know, kind of, also, you know, position you to, to everything with Serenby um, as, as you were working here in Atlanta. Well, the, you know, it, um, with Stouffer's, uh, we, uh, in, in the midst of that, uh, uh, they moved me to St. Louis uh, to be national director of marketing. I was, I was kind of this, this wide-eyed uh, young guy. I was in my mid, middle 20s, uh, unheard of. Uh, and so that was a, a dream job, traveling the nation, uh, dealing with marketing for all of our hotels. And, and so I was in Atlanta regularly, working with the person to, to replace me as that uh, hotel was under construction. Uh, but I, I had fallen in love with Atlanta and the people of Atlanta and the energy. And so um, as, as we approached uh, the, the year that the hotel would open, I, uh, we made some local changes and I elected to return. I, I said I was either going to, I had decided to take myself off the corporate treadmill of moving the city to city. <laughs> and of course, Stover's headquarters was Cleveland. I didn't much like being based there. Uh, and so uh, we agreed that I would come back and, and open the hotel. And, and, and I had no absolute plans. I said, you know, I might remain there for, for years, uh, but I wanted to stay in Atlanta. Uh, and of course, when you put those things in motion, things happen. And so we opened the hotel in October. And I left in uh, December to open the Pleasant Peasant. Uh, and uh, at that point, uh, Midtown uh, was uh, not great. It was terrible, in fact. Uh, you know, while the hotel was there on the edge, that was the idea the life of Georgia had opened in a big marble building. And there was thoughts then that, that North Avenue would really develop headed uh, west towards the Coca-Cola headquarters. Right. Of course, that's, you know, <laughs> right through tech and, and, and what have you. Uh, but, but the rest of, of, of Midtown was really a mess. Uh, but there was, a, there was affordable uh, uh, rents and it, it was so run down. And so I, I negotiated a, uh, uh, a lease on, uh, or I bought the lease uh, in, in, in that building that had been built in 1900 there, a corner of Linden and, and Peachtree Street. Oh, wow. Built in 1900 as Vic's Delicatessen and had run for years. But as the area ran down, uh, it had been five restaurants in five years previous. Oh, man. <laughs> I was able to buy all of their assets and the lease for $12,000. Uh, and the rent was $400 a month. <laughs> oh, my. And so uh, uh, 
we put a keg of beer in the middle of the, the room and I invited all the friends who, who uh, knew how to uh, wire or plumbing or anything. And uh, it, it was like Christmas because as, as the crumbling uh, plaster, as we went ahead and took it down, they were beautiful brick walls. Uh, as we took up the, uh, the, the carpet that was soaked in grease, uh, there were these old octagon tiles from 1900. You know, there were some broken ones and some holes, but hey, that, that uh, patch looked better than, than that carpet. And as we took down the drop ceiling, there was this old tin ceiling, need some patching. And so the restaurant just uh, uh, revealed itself. Uh, now this is, this is 1973. Uh, we opened in February of 73, uh, bringing really fresh, uh, American food uh, with a European flair, a New York neighborhood attitude. Uh, we, you know, didn't take reservations, had reasonable prices, uh, but white linen, flowers, and so it was all the trappings. And back in the 70s, you either had the, the, the country clubs, uh, the reservation higher-end restaurants, Mm -hmm. Or you had the emergence of, 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 of uh, food and bars. That's, you know, TGI Fridays and various things like that were, were all coming. So we were a unique piece uh, in, in the culinary landscape and especially in, in, in Atlanta. Right. Man. And, and so then that was, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I figured that everyone would know where Peachtree was and they could, they could find us. And so we became the chic place. I mean, anything happening in Atlanta, we were the place to go. We were the, so any celebrities that were coming to town, uh, anything going on uh, anywhere. And so it, it got to the point we would open the doors at, at uh, 5.15 and there was, had already been a line formed outside. And by 5.30, we were totally full. Uh, on the weekends, on the 62 seats, we would do five terms. Oh, my gosh. And it was just a smash success within six months of opening. Um, and at that time, Phipps Plaza was about five years old. And Atlantans had been very loyal to Riches um, and uh, Davison's the local stores. And so uh, Phipps with Saks and Lord and & Taylor and Tiffany's was not doing well. And the entire second level was, was empty with the exception of a, a hair salon and Merrill Lynch uh, brokerage firm and several vacants downstairs. And they had brought shrafts from New York. And so the, uh, a restaurant that had closed on the second floor. And so they made us an incredible deal uh, that uh, if we would open uh, a restaurant there, uh, that uh, uh, they would really foot the bill for everything Rent was so minimum. They, in essence, they paid us to come in. Uh, and we, uh, I figured I, I could just be open for lunch because at that point the mall was closed five days a week, and to bring people through a closed mall to the second level, you know, that seemed pretty impossible. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, we we were immediately success, and within six months they had leased all the vacant spaces because of the lines that were waiting to get in because uh, we didn't take reservations. And so that really set us, suddenly we got calls from people all over. And so that we were known as going into depressed areas and we were really at the forefront of uh, hospitality uh, being a draw for retail. Yeah. Uh, and what followed then is, is we were the first liquor license in uh, in Roswell in 75, we were the first table service restaurant in Decatur. 
when uh, we were the first restaurant uh, outside a hotel in downtown Atlanta with dailies and then City Grill following that. Um, when uh, Stanley Marcus loved us and so he negotiated our lease to go to Washington DC next to Neiman's at the Mazza Galleria. And when the Pennsylvania Development Authority uh, decided to redo Pennsylvania Avenue between the White House and the Capitol. It was, it was really awful in the 70s. And so in the 80s, we were one of the five restaurants, big fanfare of opening on Pennsylvania Avenue, a few blocks from the uh, United States Capitol. So we were, we were really trailblazers in, in placemaking with hospitality. Yeah. Man, I, I love the visual. You know, I've, I've had so many wonderful conversations with people who have been a part of the of the restaurant world here in the greater Atlanta area for you know for many years and you know to hear some of the to, just to put yourself in in Midtown in the 80s or the 70s and to to think of that you know just the the tangibility of what it what it looked like what it felt like to step out on the Peachtree Street today but think about it you know 30 years prior 40 years prior and to open a restaurant of all things, you know, um, man, like chatting with the guys from fifth group restaurant, you know, and, you know, kind of having, um, you know, similar memories of, you know, what Atlanta was like before, you know, one of the, one of the first restaurants that they opened was ever there. And to hear the same thing, of you know, a uh, plaster peeling off the walls and everybody coming in and taking care of the electrical and plumbing, <laughs> just making a, making a party of it for people to come and dine. Um, it's uh it it's not it's not the way that things happen today but you know to you know in a, in a way it was it was almost like you know the from a culinary perspective it was like atlanta's own wild west you know it was like before hospitality was hospitality and before there was really a you know community of restaurateurs or you know restaurants um really available for people to visit so it's a fun it's a fun it's a fun time to to think of you know knowing what we have today Absolutely. And, you know, as a, as a nation, uh, it's really changed. You know, in, in the 70s, sh chefs were not celebrities. Right. Uh, restaurants were, you know, a complete thing. You had, you know, you had the ethnic restaurants, you had the neighborhood restaurants in your big cities, which the South really didn't, didn't have. Yeah. Uh, it was a very different time. I remember when the National Restaurant Association uh, brought uh, four of us uh, at the big convention to talk about the change in the American landscape. <clears throat> and I was with uh, 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 Puck of uh, Spagos in, in California, Richard Melvin in Chicago, uh, somebody from up New England, I can't remember who that was, and, and I represented the South. And so, uh, so it, 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 it was a movement throughout the nation in, yeah. in, in bringing fresh uh, food, you know, this is, this is back when you think of Julie Childs bringing, you know, the French cooking to America. And it was, right. Uh, so it wasn't just Atlanta that was the Wild West, it was kind of all over. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. It is a good point. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a, it's a time, you know, in a kind of a bygone era of where, you know, the, the way that people were eating, you know, and um, I mean, yeah, we've, we've lived part of our life, you know, obviously much, much um, many years ago before we had kids, you know, where it was not uncommon for us to eat out five to six nights a week, you know, like food, food was away from home. Like we didn't, we didn't spend you know, money at the grocery store to prepare meals because it was, it was just, uh, you know, it's the, the way that we lived our daily lives was, you know, the, 
it was it was a, the utter ubiquity of fantastic restaurants to go to and um but you know it's a it's a it's it's a different um just a different time you know it's a very different time but yeah i mean gosh and just looking at the the landscape of of variety you know throughout atlanta and also i mean you know to kind of take that on a national scale um you know restaurants and and food is a very um it's it's a very different it's a very different animal so um so you know i i i love hearing you know your story you know prior um it's that's a that's incredible tale i only knew bits and pieces so thanks for sharing that with me steve but um but let's um let's fast forward a little bit and um let's talk about serenby so i guess you know fast forward you know through you know your your life here in in atlanta and then um brings us to the early 90s right that's correct so tell me the i mean i know i know the kind of the the i guess like the brief like origin story of like where serenby like comes from but um but tell me about it a little bit well i was um you know we were busy opening restaurants around the country, living in Asley Park, uh, serving and sharing boards, uh, uh, attending all the big uh, art balls, fundraisers, and health events. And, you know, life seemed pretty perfect. Um, and uh, wasn't hunting or, or, or looking for anything. And uh, in 1991, our children were three, five, and seven. So you can appreciate that with yeah. the age. Um, and you're always looking for interesting things to do. And we saw on the back of the Georgia Preservation Newsletter that there was a historic farm for sale just south of the airport. Well, being, you know, very urban people, uh, I couldn't imagine there was really open land that near the city. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, with kids, it would be fun to do a, an afternoon drive. So I called to clarify that we weren't interested in buying anything. But did they have farm animals? And if so, would they mind if we pulled in just to show our children? Mm -hmm. And of course, anyone with something for sale says, come on. Um, we arrived. They had the Shetland pony saddled, and we bought the farm. <clears throat> uh, now, I had no idea why we were buying it other than it seemed like <laughs> investment um, and uh, so we rented the uh, 1905 farmhouse out uh, my wife fixed a shack in the back uh, that had been built in the 40s for farm laborers uh, in case we ever wanted to spend the night I had envisioned that we might come out uh, a couple afternoons a month and uh, it, it was just gonna be one of those fun kind of toys uh, because we had a great house in Ansley Park, the pool, the media room, uh, uh, matching Barbie cars that were all had battery operated. And, you know, why do you want to leave, you know? And, and, and we had the walkability, you know, we could, we could walk one way to Piedmont Park and, and, and Botanical Gardens, the other way to all the restaurants on Peachtree Street, High Museum, and Symphony Hall. Uh, it, was, it was kind of the ideal place. We had re re restored a house and uh, we'd put in the gardens that our daughters would be married in one day. So, wow. And to my amazement, everyone wanted to leave all those trappings to come to the shack where we had no toys except a puzzle for rainy days. <laughs> and doing that every weekend for three years, every vacation, it was a value shift. And I looked at what really fed us. What, what was the meaning? 
of, of, of our family and, 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 and what excited us. And so I had an opportunity to, to sell the, the balance of the restaurant. I had sold a portion of it. Um, and uh, so I uh, sold the balance of it and, uh, and stepped away. At that point, Bob Amick was, was my uh, junior partner. Um, and uh, so I, I left him to run the company and uh, uh, I re uh, retreated. Um, mm. and, and luckily I had been very successful in the restaurant business. And so uh, life was great. Uh, Plus, uh, during that, that time, I had become very involved in, in, in Midtown. Uh, is we, we, you know, we had four restaurants at one point in Midtown because uh, we were part of the renovation of Colony Square back there. The, the second one had two restaurants there, and then mm -hmm. we opened our mix concept. Uh, and so I became part uh, involved in, in, in the Midtown, uh, what's today a Midtown Alliance, Midtown Alliance and changed. Um, uh, we, we really set that uh, to the organization uh, that it is today. And that's in, in the 80s, we changed the zoning to, to, to really set the foundation for Atlanta to boom. Now I bought land, you know, the restaurants, the, our headquarters, other, other properties in Midtown in the 70s when everyone thought it was trash. Uh, and so, uh, when I left to come out here, when I sold the company, I didn't sell any of the underlying real estate. Mm. And so life was great. I was able to retire and uh, uh, we put in the big garden and restored the old farmhouse to, to raise the kids and uh, bought a couple more pieces of land that touched us and uh, uh, life was fabulous. Man. Uh, you look at pictures of me in those days, I'm tanned with hair down to my shoulders. And <laughs> uh, uh, I was very fortunate. Um, yeah, our, our kids, when we moved out here full time, they were six, eight, and 10. Wow. But then, then it, uh, what led to Serenby was uh, in my seventh year of retirement, uh, we were jogging along what was then our property line and the bulldozer was taking down the trees that sat in the property next to us. And I ran out and asked him what was going on. And he said that he had just been hired to clear the trees. They gathered that housing was going in because that's what always happens. Uh, I ran back to call the retired doctor who lived over in Fayette County to find out what was going on. I couldn't get him, couldn't get him. And five weeks later, when he returned from Europe, I found that he had sold it to someone down the road who wanted to put in a pasture airstrip for his little prop plane. Oh. But in that panic of the um, five weeks, I had another 600 acres under contract. You know, that attitude of I'm going to buy everything and protect, you know, my territory. Right. Uh, and I realized how fast it happens. In 75, when we opened the restaurant in Roswell, uh, I had to drive through, what is it, three miles, four miles of open land between uh, 400, which had no traffic on it, nobody on it, uh, and um, 41. And there was only a church and a house in that whole area. Wow. So uh, throughout Atlanta, I saw how fast urban sprawl can take over the landscape. Uh, and so that was my panic. Man.
So the, you know, the, the discovery, you know, I mean, I guess like the story of, you know, you guys living in Ansley and then making your way down to um, what, I mean, it's tech now it's, I mean, you'd refer to it as Chattahoochee Hills, right? That's right. But then that, you know, that didn't exist. I was going to say, I mean, I know that didn't even probably didn't even have, you know, much, uh, much direction in terms of where it is even on the map back then. But um, so, I mean, the, the discovery, I mean, like the origin of where this really comes from, I mean, like that's, that's, that's crazy, you know, that, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I mean, I, I love that it was, um, you know, it was almost just a, you know, a, an, a, an appendage of life and then it becomes your home, you know, and, um, you know, where, where did the vision come from, you know, for like this, collection of hamlets, restaurants, you know, just um, like this place where life is lived. Like where, where, did, where did the idea come from? Well, we, we, we always loved to travel. And then especially in those seven years, we were able to travel a lot uh, to, you know, Italy and France and uh, a dear friend of my wife lived in uh, a little town southwest of London called Selborne. And during those years, we visited once or twice a year. And so I became very familiar with the, the clustered hamlets and villages throughout the countryside, uh, the footpaths, uh, every little crossroads had a, a, a pub, a restaurant, a food store. And it was just a, uh, such a charming lifestyle. Um, and so when I, uh, you know, having had an interest in architecture, you know, I was, I was taking all this in with a curious mind with no uh, thought of anything other than curiosity and pleasure. Um, and so then when, when we became concerned about urban sprawl and, and, and you know, the, uh, what could we do? And no preservationists were interested in, 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 you know, saving this land. No one saw it as a threat. No one thought, period. Um, and um, we realize that the preservation efforts anywhere really can't stay ahead of, of, of development. Um, and so realize that uh, through this whole journey then finally that the only way to really preserve the majority of it was to have a, um, a program for balanced development. Hmm. And when we thought about what that would look like, I uh, couldn't help but think of the countryside of England because after World War II, they put good land laws in. They realized they couldn't afford the sprawl because the island was only so big. And so you have a lot of density there in their hamlets, villages, and towns that are scattered throughout the countryside. And you drive through the country and then into these villages. Where in America, all the buildings follow the road out of town, and then as, as sprawl happens, they start merging, and you don't know where in your one place or another. And so that was really the model we looked to. Um, we ended up bringing Phil Tab in, who did his doctorate on the English village system, and he became our land planner purely out of academia. He had never professionally uh, worked for a planning officer or, or planned anything, uh, especially at this scale. Hmm. And so it, it, was, it was stepping in to development and preservation from a very naive mind uh, that I did not know what I, uh, I, 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 uh, I didn't know what I couldn't do, which was, turned out to be an asset. And so I looked at it strictly as a, a hospitality guy 
of where would be a great place to live and what was it like to be a placemaker because that's what I knew. Yeah. And you know, that the, I mean, I, I love the, you know, I love that it's such a callback, you know, like the, you know, the, the inspirational you know places, especially in other parts of the world. And um, you know, I know that, you know, since um, I mean, since the early nineties, it's really developed into, into quite, I mean, quite the collection of businesses, of homes, and um, give me, give me like a snapshot of like what, what is Serenby today? Well, you know, and, and looking at the food interest, I want to go back to the fact that that um, understanding the hospitality, I realized an important thing was to have a restaurant. Now, the the finance community, no one was going to fund me. Uh, you know, I thought I would bring investors in, you know, banks were very reluctant. If it hadn't been for my Midtown uh, holdings, I could have never launched Serenby. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone thought I was absolutely nuts. Uh, and so I thought it was going to be a very slow process. Uh, the girls were getting ready to head to college. And so I said, well, we would build a townhouse. And because no one could imagine a townhouse and live works out here in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. But what really they decided that I had really lost my mind is when I declared that we were going to open a cafe restaurant in the middle of the woods. Because mm-hmm. when people would come out here, there was nothing here. Literally, it was the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some of my friends said, Steve, you know, if you're going to do this, at least put the restaurant down on the main road. How's everybody going to find you back in the, in, in, in the forest? <laughs> And, 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 and I was clear in, in, in my own head, my own passion, that, that it was hospitality that drew, and it was hospitality that was the center of placemaking. And that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And we had the Blue-Eyed Daisy open by the time the fourth uh, resident had moved in. Mm. Now, you talk to developers, that's crazy. They do rooftop counts and decide when they can open their first retail of any kind. Right. Uh, but uh, we uh, we were brazen uh, to do that, and uh, and so that that's what it is. So today, uh, Serenby has five restaurants, uh, with a a sixth and seventh in the drawing boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, farmhouse where we raise the children is, of course, the farmhouse restaurant, and that's been added on to additionally. So that is the country inn with thirty rooms there. And we manage another uh, 30 uh, uh, B&B type things in the community. Uh, so we do now major, major conferences from all over the world uh, because we're 25 minutes from the airport. So it's this in- yeah. unique experience uh, with this high level of hospitality and service. Yeah, it's it's amazing what you, what you guys have created. And you know, I know a lot of this um, you know, is, is really... I mean, really, really exploded, you know, since the, since the early 2000s with, you know, the, the amount of residents that you guys have now. And um, it's this amazing story to describe to people, you know, where I've only experienced bits and pieces of, of Serenby, not, not really in full and really, I mean, being in that part of, of the greater Atlanta area, um, you know, I've been to events at Fox Hall and um, I mean, it's it's a stunning it's a stunning area to be in, so close to the city, let alone to the airport. I mean, it it really is remarkable. And of course, now the Chattahoochee Hill Country is sixty five thousand. Wow, that is half the size of the inside of the perimeter of Atlanta. Yeah, 
we are the first development under these regulations where we'll save 70% of this land, mm. but actually put 20% more housing in the 30% disturbed. And all of these will be clusters with mixed use development of offices and restaurants and retail. Wow. Man. It's, um, it's amazing. You know, it, uh, it, it almost feels like it's a little bit of an oasis, but you know, it's, um, there's a lot of intentionality and, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, just, uh, you know, I mean, again, like, you know, ex experiencing, you know, probably only 10% of really what makes up all of Serenby, but, you know, especially knowing the story behind it, um, it's, uh, it, you know, it brings me back to this quote, which I believe I've, I've seen, you know, it's, it, I believe it's probably on your website somewhere, but, um, and, and correct me if I have it wrong, but I believe it's, and I don't know if this comes directly from you, but it's, if you want to change the world, you should start in your own backyard. And, yeah. um, I, I look at that in kind of two ways, you know, because where the, the genesis of Serenby really comes from, you know, we're living in Ansley park, you know, where Serenby is now. I mean, like that really is your backyard in, in, in a grander Atlanta scale, um, you know, where there was not much happening and, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's amazing, you know, to be able to, to see that this is something that is so close to one of the largest metro Atlanta, you know, metro areas in the country, you know, and not only just based on population, but especially how busy the airport is that, um, that this, this is happening so close to, I mean, just where, where I am, you know, where we live in Atlanta, it's, um, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool aspect, you know, to know that, that that's something that's available to people who live here in the city and, you know, people who are visiting from elsewhere. Um, you know, you talk about being brazen. I mean, it, it's a pretty brazen idea, probably for a lot of other parts of the country as well. Um, but I love that quote. I, I really do. I, I think it's, um, it's very indicative of what you've created with Serenby. Well, and I think it would, it would be a different world if, if we really looked at things that way. You know, this, th this began selfishly of literally wanting to save the land around where we had uh, loved. Yeah. Uh, and this wasn't to create some sort of a big urban model or, or do anything other than protecting our own literal backyard. Yeah. And, and that led to this effort as we really looked at what to do. And I, I define people's backyard as anything you have influence over. Mm. Um, and we spend as a society today a lot of time worrying and complaining about things that we have absolutely no control over. And so if we really spent that time worrying about where we are, you know, when I lived in Midtown, I rolled up my sleeves and we changed Midtown. Um, and, and, and now we've done the same thing out here. But it was by, 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 by really being active on where we had influence. Uh, you know, for you, it, it's certainly your, your audience and, and, and how you can share positive stories is huge. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different... A circle of influence and if we would just all understand that uh and, and start there yeah yeah all of our backyards literally join yeah that's uh that's a good word steve it really is um you know and i i guess you know one of my one of my last questions for you is you know what's what's like the vision i mean no, you mentioned there's a few other restaurants kind of in the, on the in the drawing board but what's like the vision in future um from your perspective for serenby well, there's, you know, there's a lot happening where, you know, we're, we're looking for, you know, um, a hotel, we need a conference hotel, uh, a, a destination spa, we're talking to people with that, uh, 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 actual memory care facilities, 
uh, you know, our, our arts programming is just exploding with the, the uh, theater, Terminus Dance, our artist in residence program. Uh, there's a merging groups with film and music. Uh, we're really uh, becoming a, a national destination for thought leaders uh, in the arts. Um, in, in agriculture, we, were, we really led the, what's thought of today as the agrarian movement. Uh, we're really changing policy. Uh, the Rodale Institute out of Pennsylvania, who originally the originations of organic food, they literally named it from, they've been doing the research since 1930. They have now announced they're putting their Southeast Regional Research Center here. One wow. of my neighbors is giving them 300 acres. So we're, we're really at the forefront of, 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 of regional agrarian uh, economy and, and what we need to do there. Uh, we are, uh, have opened our first office building with a focus on health providers. And we're, you know, one of the big things uh, that we as a society are looking at is, is what are we going to do about our, our health? We're sicker and more depressed than we've ever been. Uh, and we believe the built environment's a big piece of it. Serenity's a demonstration. Uh, you know, over 100 kids know asthma. Uh, there's health reports coming out of every household. So we're talking to third-party people that are going to be monitoring. Uh, why is that? Why are people living here healthier than people living elsewhere? Um, and so we have a we have a lot happening here. Yeah, that's that's um that's super exciting. You know, I mean, I um. It's it's a really it's a really again like it's such a cool thing to to have you know as um as a major asset you know to to living here in Atlanta it's um it's a really cool thing to share, um, you know and I I just I love your story Steve I I love you know the I mean from the beginning to where to where you are now and then especially to where everything is going um it's a it's a pretty incredible tale and I I think. The, what I picture in my mind is, you know, that, uh, that moment where you're working, um, as a, in a restaurant and someone asks if you have a, a suit and then, you know, you get to spend part of your summer as a 20, 21 year old masquerading or an 18 year old masquerading as a 21 year old. And, um, and now, you know, the, I think the movement that is really Serenby is, is where you are now today is, um, is an incredible, is an incredible story. Hopefully you're working on a book. Uh, we, I actually am. That's great. <laughs> yeah. We've had so many requests, we've got to, yeah. yeah. And, and of course now, the best part, and you'll appreciate this as a young father, is those three little girls have all returned and they are raising their children here on the streets of Serenby. Check that out. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so cool. Great for you. I mean, I imagine that's got to be the, uh, the best thing in, in terms of being a grandfather as well. So. That's right. <laughs> Oh, well, I hope uh, you bring your family down to see us. Yeah. Oh, man, I'd love that. I really would. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to kind of plug for you guys, which I just love, I mean, you're kind of being a, a sleuth in terms of podcasting, um, is you guys have a, a Serenby Stories podcast, which I've actually found to be very, very, very fun to listen to. And I especially love the episode. I just listened to it uh, two days ago or maybe, yeah, two or three days ago as uh there's a portion of it where you actually, you have some stories from your daughters, uh, just in terms of, you know, kind of everything Serenby and your guys' life. And um, it's, it's really cool. I really like the perspective. And I, I love that you've shared so much of your personal story and the story of Serenby and 
there's even more there that you guys have um, that, that I think would be really awesome for anyone listening. It's a, it's a really cool thing that you can find. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I listen to pretty much everything on Apple Podcasts, but you can find it from your website as well. But I love that you guys have that. It's a really cool. Terrible really cool stories. And, and the next season is going to la- launch January 27th. Well, hey, we're, we're launching some new seasons together on the 27th. That's exciting. That's <laughs> That's big podcast launch day, huh? Yeah, I I kind of pick Monday, you know, just arbitrarily, but it seems to work out. You know, it seems like people enjoy that. So, but um, but yeah, I love Sarah B stories, man. I love what you guys are doing. Um, well, Steve, it it has been such a tremendous pleasure having you on on the Atlanta Foodcast. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for sharing your story, and yeah, I can't wait to to bring my family down to Sarah B one day soon. That's great. Look forward to seeing you here. Thanks for listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. If you haven't already, hit subscribe and please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram. And as always, thanks for making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters.